scripture reading today is Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly, heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the time, that is, the summoning up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having be been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you are sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 1, 3-14. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for the, the fellowship we have together as, as Christians with the same Holy Spirit. As Pastor David brings what he has studied this morning to us this morning, we pray, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts and the Holy Spirit will work in our lives. Good morning. We are still in Romans, in case you thought we moved on to another book. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Now I know this is a scary thing for pastors to do, but remember two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we talked about Abraham and how he was justified. <clears throat> and whether or not Abraham was justified by the good works that he had done. And then last week, we talked about sin's effect upon the work of justification with King David. So we've looked at Abraham, and we looked at King David, and now we're going to be looking back at Abraham. <clears throat> How was Abraham justified? By doing outward signs or being inwardly sealed by faith? Now Abraham was 86 when he was declared righteous in Genesis chapter 15, 86. He was circumcised when he was 99. He was justified before he was circumcised. But you know there's a problem. In this world, in this religious world we live in, there are a lot of people that teach and live that you have to do good things to somehow get on God's good side. And they come up with all kinds 
kinds of ideas. That, to me, make no sense. <clears throat> For instance, the Hindus get together and they line up next to a river and they build booths and inside the booths there's a person who will shave you of all the hair on your body. And they will take all the hair from your body and put it in the river. Now, before you get thinking too far on that, <clears throat> this is what the Hindu preachers say about you having your hair removed and thrown into the river. Dramatic pause. For every hair that is thrown into the river, you are promised a million years in heaven. A million years in heaven for every hair. Now, for some of us, that'd be more than the others. <laughs> but, they teach that you have to do something. And by you removing all the hairs on your body, will somehow get the God in heaven to look upon you with favor and say, let's keep him for a million years in heaven. <sighs> we have a lot of people in America that have that thought. They say, I'll go to church. That'll earn God's favor. Or I'll memorize a verse. Or I'll sing a song. Or I'll sing a solo. Or I'll sing, or I'll do, or I'll teach, or I'll preach, or I'll do whatever. And in their mind, they think by doing this, somehow you twist God's arm so that he'll let you into heaven for a million years. Now, the interesting thing is, is that it comes straight from Satan. Satan wants you as far away from faith as you can possibly get. He wants you to think that by doing good things, you will be saved. Because he knows that if you try, it will not work. Romans chapter 4, verse 9. <clears throat> this is... Blessing, this is, is this blessing then on the circumcised, or on the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness, a quote coming from Genesis 15. How then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. When did Abraham receive the blessing of justification? The blessing here goes back talking to the quotes that David, King David wrote 
and was just quoted by Paul last week talking about blessings and the blessing being justification. Justification is the work of God that allows you <clears throat> to be declared righteous by God. Now, how was Abraham justified? Number one, Abraham was uncircumcised. Uncircumcised. He was not circumcised when he was declared righteous. According to Jewish tradition, circumcision is done on a person who is acceptable to God. The key to entering heaven is being circumcised. The rabbis taught that no uncircumcised, no circumcised person would be allowed in the lake of fire. That only uncircumcised people would be put in the lake of fire. People today in churches today this morning believe the same thing, but differently. The most important circumcision was was an act of obedience that Abraham performed when God commanded him to do it. It was a sign that had no spiritual value or power. Just like attending church has no spiritual power in saving you. Just like doing anything, teaching Sunday school, does not get you a better room in the mansion in heaven. Doing anything, preaching, let's pick on preachers, preaching a thousand sermons over a 25-year career will not get you in a better place in the mansion of heaven. God does not look at it that way. How does God look at it? Faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. By faith, Abraham was justified. Paul said in chapter 3 of Romans that a justification was a work of God. Verse 30, chapter 3, verse 30. Since indeed God who justified the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. He said the way you were saved is by the work of God. By your faith in God's work of justifying you. You are placed into Christ by the work of God. And by being in Christ, you are declared righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. And therefore, you are in a state of righteousness, not by anything you do. God does not look down from heaven. He does not say... Boy, that Bible study he taught was a good one. I'll let him into heaven. That does not work. God does not look at the good things you do and say that earns justification. Verse 10. How then was it credited while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? He is making an issue to his Jewish believers who thought that the Gentile believers 
needed to be circumcised in order to be part of the early church. Sometimes we think the same way. I had a, a visitor at one church I was pastor of. He came in in sweats, and I was saying hi to him, and I was getting ready to go preach, and a member of the church stopped me and said, that's not appropriate for him to be dressed like that. Pastor, you need to do something about that. Okay, I don't, I'm not sure my shirt will fit on him. What am I supposed to wear if I give him my clothes? And what verse does it say you have to wear something to come to church? Show me the verse. We think you have to do something to please God. The Jewish tradition said the same thing about circumcision. If you were circumcised, you'd be allowed into heaven. If you weren't, you didn't get there. Abraham was circumcised 14 years after Genesis 15, in chapter 17. Jewish tradition said it was 29 years later. Don't know how they get the number. Abraham was justified after circumcision. Then the Jewish teachers would have something to claim. That he was justified because he was circumcised. But God did it the other way. He justified them and then circumcised them. While uncircumcised, Abraham was declared righteous. Abraham was saved. He was justified. By the way, you are saved when you are justified. Whenever that is, when you hear the gospel message, you place your faith in in the work of God and the promises of God, you are saved. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to, any hoops to jump through. Verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision. He received the sign of circumcision. Leads us to the next question. What's the purpose of a sign? What's the purpose of a sign for believers. Number one, a sign indicates publicly that a believer has saving faith. A sign will indicate publicly that a believer has saving faith. God came along when Abraham was 99, told him to get circumcised, and he did it, being obedient to what God had done in his life already justified him a sign points to something a sign stands for something a sign indicates something a sign will show you something or represent something a sign is very important and Abraham was circumcised. God told Abraham to perform the rite of circumcision because it's a sign of God's covenant. Genesis 17, 11. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. 
An outward sign does not correct the problem of sin that separates a wicked person from a holy God. A sign does not have that power. What has that power is God's work of justification. God does the work because he's the just and the justifier. Romans 3. He commands signs for us to do. And we lovingly do them. But we understand that the sign does not have the power to save. Uh, Billy Graham was going to India. And one of the uh, pastors there, um, I, I guess Billy Graham was going for the first time. So this is probably a while ago. He was going to India, and the pastor there, missionary there, told him to be careful what he does when he's in India. He says, when you're in India, people expect to see some sign of your faith in the way you live your life. They expect to see some sign of your faith by the way you live your life. Signs are very important. Signs are very important. It is very important that Abraham was circumcised. It's very important that you fulfill the signs God has for you. Because it shows your faith. It shows that you have been justified. It shows that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And people look at it. And that sign will lead them to the gospel message. The middle of verse 11. Well, before I get there. <laughs> wish we could discuss this. What are the two biggest signs that Cumberland Bible Church has? Go ahead. I'll repeat what you say so we get it on the tape. Go ahead. Tell me what two of the biggest signs that Cumberland Bible Church has. Go ahead. Speak. Come on. Yes, we do. That's a good thing. That's a good sign. Good. What else? Not the two I was thinking of. How we show that we are justified. What sign do we do to show that we are justified by a work of God the Father? Communion. How we live our lives. That's good. Communion is one of the ways we do it here at Cumberland Bible Church. We have it the first Sunday of every month. We take it because we have been justified we remember back the work of Jesus Christ. We look forward to the future when we'll have communion again in the future with Jesus Christ. Good, that was one I was thinking of. Guess what? It's a sign. Communion will not save you. It may fill up the little crack you have in your teeth and get bread in there. That'll be the most that it does for you. 
it won't even fill the grumbling in your stomach. But it's a sign that you have been justified. What's another one? Baptism. Baptism. Baptism is a sign that we have been justified. By the way, if you have a baby, we will not baptize your baby. Guess why? Because they haven't been justified. They haven't come to a point in their life where they've repented of their sins and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So we don't baptize babies. We baptize people who can give me a testimony that they've received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they have been justified. And then they go out and show everyone that they have been saved by being baptized. Now, guess what? Not every church believes that. Surprise you? There's one church that had a council got together and wrote this down. If anyone denies that by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is conferred in baptism, the guilt of original sin is remitted, removed, or asserts the, of that the whole of that which is true and proper nature of sin is not taken away through baptism, let him be anathema. In other words, let him be cursed. So, in that church, if you're not baptized, you're not saved. If you are baptized, you're saved. Which is the opposite of the first four chapters in Romans. Paul says, Circumcision is a sign. It's done by Abraham after being justified because he was obeying the command of God. And there are a lot of things we do obeying the command of God. Matter of fact, you could have quoted me any command in the Bible. And you would be correct. That's a sign. Middle of Romans chapter 4, verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while he was uncircumcised. Now, he comes up with a different question here. What is the purpose of a seal for a believer? What is the purpose of a seal for a believer? Let me define what a seal is. A seal will confirm ownership and protection that comes with saving faith. Protection and ownership that comes with saving faith. So, you, when you are saved, you are sealed. That sealing takes place. <clears throat> now, we at Cumberland Bible Church are all for sealing. We're all for it. We're all for it. We're all for sealing. But we do not have any ceremony the first Sunday of every month. 
a sealing has to do, what's it say? With the righteousness of the faith which he had. So, Abraham had faith and was credited to him as righteousness. And Paul says that work of justification was a seal. Was a seal. A seal points to something. A seal guarantees something. A seal confirms the genuineness of your faith. A seal is internal. A sign is external. A sign is an outward expression that you have an inward sealing done in your life. It takes the work of justification for you to be sealed. Now, a sign we can do every single day this month. Correct? Okay. You have been sealed, though, how many times? You have been sealed once. You have been sealed once, like Abraham in chapter 15. It doesn't say in chapter 16 or 17 or 18 or 20 or whatever that he was justified, but that it took place when he put his trust in the promises of God and God the Father saved him, declared him righteous. When that occurred, he was sealed. Now, we're all for people being sealed. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want you to be sealed today. We want you to know the promises of God. We want you to place your trust in the promises of God and be sealed. The righteousness of God comes as a result of justification. You are shown to be owned and protected by God. God imputes your unrighteousness to Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus Christ on the cross, through his resurrection, bestows upon you his righteousness that's imputed to you when you have saving faith. So, when you are saved and sealed, you are placing your trust in the promises of God to place your sins upon Jesus Christ. You're claiming that you trust the promises of God, that His righteousness can be imputed to you, and you claim that as your own. And you are sealed. Now, the question comes, what are you sealed with? Good question. Glad you asked. What is the believer sealed with? What is the believer's seal? The believer's seal is clearly the Holy Spirit. The believer's seal is the Holy Spirit. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. You probably still have a piece of paper there because we had scripture reading there. I want you to notice chapter 1 of Ephesians. I want you to go down to verse 13. Notice what it says about sealing. The sealing takes place because of a promised Holy Spirit. By the way, how are you saved? By trusting the promises 
of God. One of the promises of God is the Holy Spirit sealing you. Here it comes. Verse 13. In him, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth. So before you're sealed, you've got to hear the message of truth. Which is called the gospel of your salvation. Two descriptions of the same message. You have to have it. And you have to believe. You have to have faith in that truth. In that message. In that gospel. In that method of salvation. You've got to believe it. <clears throat> you believe it. Then you were sealed in him. In Christ. You were sealed in him. With the Holy Spirit of promise. You are sealed. Your sealing gives you protection. You're protected by the Holy Spirit from everything that can harm you. You are given ownership. You are owned by the Holy Spirit. You are owned by God. You are in Christ. You show every sign of righteousness because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You are sealed. Now, okay, I think we ought to go every Sunday to the book of Song of Solomon. So we're going to go there today. Turn to Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. I'll, it's back where the gold is still on the edges of your Bibles. Turn there. Song of Solomon. By, by the way, if ever you have marital problems, you need to be reading that with your wife. Okay? <clears throat> Here you go. Song of Solomons. Let's go chapter 8. Chapter 8. There are a lot of references about sealing. But this is an interesting one, and we need to go to Song of Solomon every Sunday. So here we are. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6. I'll wait until the pages stop turning. There are the probably where the pages are stuck together still. Okay? Everybody there? We're still waiting. Song of Solomon is an interesting book. It's a love book. It talks about the love a husband has for a wife. It's an interesting book. And every marriage that's having problems needs to study this book. Here you go, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6. <clears throat> verse 6. But put me, that's the wife talking, put me like a seal over your heart. Whose heart? The husband's heart. Put me like a seal over your heart. Put me, Sally, like a seal over over Fred's heart. Like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy is severe as Sheol, it flashes or flashes of fire. Here comes the very flame of the Lord. I saw a book, a very good book, that was doing a commentary in the Song of Solomon, and the title of the book was The Flame of God. That's a good title. Because the love that a husband and wife has should reflect the love that God the Father has. God the Father has love, so much love, that he seals every believer with his best, most prized thing. He 
loves them by giving them the Holy Spirit. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And here in this verse, chapter 8, verse 6, it says the wife wants to be the seal of her husband's heart. And what is to seal the relationship is love. 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 If ever there's a solution to a marriage, it's love. And that is to be the seal on your heart to have a happy marriage. Love. Okay, you're looking at other verses in Solomon. Psalm. Look, go back to Romans. Okay, go back to Romans. <laughs> go back to Romans. Stop. Turn to Romans. A seal. God seals you with the most loving thing He can give you, the Holy Spirit. He gives you the Holy Spirit to show that you're owned by your spiritual husband, your spiritual wife, however you want to view that. You are sealed by God. You are owned by God. You are protected by God. You're taken care of by God. Because you're justified. Verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while he was uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe. That he might be the father of all who believe. Now, this leads us to an interesting point. <clears throat> what is the goal, what should be the goal for every single person alive on this planet? What is the goal for every person alive? What should be the same goal for every person in this room? Number one, the first thing you have to have is the faith of Abraham. You need to have faith like Abraham. Abraham placed his faith in the promises of God, and God declared him righteous. If something is wrong in your life, this is the first thing you check. You need to make sure you have faith in God. You need to have faith like Abraham. You need to have faith in God where God declares you righteous. You need to be like your father Abraham. Abraham is the spiritual father of all because he received justification just like all believers receive justification. You receive justification, it means you have faith like Abraham. And you want faith like Abraham. And every person should want faith like Abraham. Anybody's not having faith like Abraham, something's wrong in your life. You're still under the power of sin. You want to be a person that believes, present tense, active, in a state of believing. Carries the idea of uh, resting upon. Number two. What is the goal of every person who has ever lived? Look at the end of verse 11. That righteousness might be credited to them. The second thing you want to have is you want to have the righteousness like Abraham. You want to have righteousness like Abraham. You want to have faith like Abraham. You want to have righteousness like Abraham. And if you do, you will be well ahead of everybody else. <clears throat> righteousness will be the basis of your works that happen after justification. 
that works, the good works, the righteous works will come after you are justified, after you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, after you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Imputed righteousness is not achieved righteousness. God gave Abraham his grace and mercy, and there he then justifies him, and the result is righteousness. And Abraham is able to do the things that God commands him to do, even taking his son up to be an offering, even being circumcised at 99 years of age, even doing whatever God said, you can do it if you are justified. Verse 12. 4.12 And the father of circumcision to those who are not only are of the circumcision. Here's a first grouping he makes here. The father of circumcision to those who are not only are, are of the circumcision. He makes the second, a first group. Notice what he says. What is the goal of every person who's ever been, who's ever lived? Number three. Have outward signs like Abraham. Have outward signs like Abraham. For Abraham, he brings up circumcision. Now for you, you have other things to do. You have the great commission to fulfill. You have the work of evangelism to do. You have the work of edification to do. You have the ministry you have at your church. You come to your church. You celebrate communion. Uh, you, you do these things to be the outward sign that you have been justified. You don't do it to earn justification. You do it because you've been justified. You need, we need a, a teacher. We need uh, somebody to vacuum the carpets. We ask you. And you will do those good works, those righteous works, because you are justified. Not to earn justification. You will do outward signs. <clears throat> Second group he mentions, the end of verse 12. But who are also following the steps of faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. What is the goal of every person who's ever lived? Not only to do the outward signs, but to have inward seal, to have the inward seal that Abraham had. To have an inward seal like Abraham did. And you get that through faith. You get that through being justified. You get that through following the steps of faith that Abraham shows. I like that, uh, that word there, follow the steps. It's talking about military order. Being a military uh, line. It means stepping together. You see, you see a good band. They step together. You see an unpracticed band, they step any way they want. You see a good church, they step together. You see a bad church, they're all stepping in every other's way. You see the military order. We have one faith. We believe the promises of God. We believe the Bible. We believe how to have a happy marriage. We believe how to happy, have a happy family. We believe that the Word of God gives us all the answers. This is the second group. Believers not only have the seal of saving faith, but they also have the sign of obedient faith. 
We believe and we show that belief. Believers are like a person walking in position in living faith. We follow the example. Even if you, like Abraham, are asked to sacrifice your beloved, beloved child, you will walk in faith. You'll walk in faith. You'll walk in faith. And Abraham will be your father. Application. Will I be able to call Abraham my spiritual father because I have daily walked, I have a daily walk that follows his faith? Do I have a daily walk that's following his faith? Abraham was justified by faith, not by circumcision. Abraham was justified by faith alone for three basic reasons we've seen so far. That undermines boasting. Abraham had nothing to boast about. We have nothing to boast about. Second, it preserves the blessing of forgiveness of sins and imputed righteousness. We have third, because of our obedience and works in the proper place after justification. Signs. We have proper obedience. A uh, zookeeper, Gary Richmond, he's uh, in his work, he found a number of injuries happening to people because they had a pet raccoon. A pet raccoon. Anybody here got a pet raccoon? <laughs> Let me give you a hint on a pet raccoon. He went around teaching all the people he knew that had a pet raccoon. He said, get rid of the pet raccoon before he's 24 months old. Because he changes. And he told a woman that, that you got to get rid of your raccoon before he's 24 months old. And she goes, oh, I can't get rid of him. I love him. He's my pet. He would never do anything bad. And then after he was 24 months old and, she had, and the raccoon attacked her, so she had to get plastic surgery done on her face because raccoons change at 24 months. They become like a wild animal. And if you have a 30-pound raccoon, he has the viciousness of a 100-pound dog. So you don't want to be putting your hand on a 100-pound dog that's growling at you. You shouldn't do it to a raccoon who's 24 months old. Little free warning. Because there's a change that takes place. There's a change that takes place in every person when they become a believer in Jesus Christ. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are changed by the Holy Spirit. You become a new creation. And your life changes. You no longer desire to please the sin nature you have. Your battle is to do the righteous thing that God wants you to do because you've been justified. You want your outward signs to be evidence of an inward change. You want to be holy like your heavenly Father is holy. If you've never changed, 
Talk to one of the elders or me afterwards. We'll tell you how to change. And it won't be like a raccoon. It'll be the best way of living there possibly could be. Being a follower of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I pray, Father, you would help us to be able to live like we are a new creation. Live like we're following the steps of faith that Abraham has taught us. <clears throat> and no matter what you call us to do tomorrow, through the commands of your word, we will do it. Because we will be faithful to your word. We'll be obedient to your word. We'll show that outward sign of the obedience. We will do it, not in our own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit that owns us and protects us. I pray, Father, that you help us to be a powerful, powerful church for you. That we would not be a fleshly church or a lukewarm church, but that we would be powerful, seeking to advance your kingdom. Work in our hearts, Father. Work in our lives. Work in our faith. Grow our faith, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.